from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our Old Testament lesson today comes from the book of Psalm, Psalm 104, verses, chapter, Psalm 104, verses 24 through 35. Let us listen now for God's word to us today. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Levi Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let me say just a word of greeting to you on behalf of Columbia Theological Seminary. I'm so pleased to be worshiping with you this morning. The whole point of Columbia Seminary is to prepare leaders for congregations and other places of ministry leadership. So the partnership and the friendship that we share is very long, deep, and important. Thank you for having me. The New Testament lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Pentecost story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them 
were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy and I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, open our ears, soften our hearts, waken our hunger, and prepare our lives for your word this morning. We pray that you will remove any resistance in us and fill us instead with eager longing to hear and receive. Amen. Do you think the disciples had become accustomed to amazing and unexpected things? 
I mean, just 50 days before this amazing Pentecost event was the ascension of Jesus into heaven, an event that Acts 1 reports with striking understatement, just that Jesus was lifted up, and just that the disciples were gazing into heaven. Forty days before that, Jesus was raised from the dead. Three days before that, Jesus was crucified. Three years before that, Jesus called each disciple by name to come and follow him. In those three years, they witnessed healings and teachings. They saw Jesus feed thousands on a grassy hillside. They saw him befriend tax collectors and Roman military and Samaritans and women. They heard him challenge religious leaders, and they gradually came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so I wonder, do you think the disciples became accustomed to such amazing events? If so, oh my, this one is a blockbuster. This one must have bowled over the disciples and friends of Jesus who had already seen so much. Can you try to picture it? The disciples are in a room together. It was, after all, a Jewish festival. Pentecost is the harvest festival, and they were celebrating that. In many ways, this was an ordinary event. There was probably food and drink and conversation. Perhaps there was some laughter, some tears, lots of stories and remembering. The disciples maybe forgot that Jesus had promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit, but even if they remembered it, no one could possibly expect what happened next. Can you try to picture it? First, there was a roar, the noise of a violent wind. The original Greek word means extreme power. So this is much more than the sound of a wind gust. It's more like a tornado. Tornadoes make the sound of a train coming right at you. This wind sounded like a tornado. This noise is what filled the house. Then there were divided tongues of fire appearing over each person in the room. Who knows what this actually looked like? Children's Bible story books try to depict it, don't they? But we don't really know. What is interesting is that the word that means on each one is actually closer to on every single one. Clearly, this 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit was intended for everyone in the room. Then, perhaps most incredible of all, the disciples began speaking in the languages of the Mediterranean world. I imagine this surprised them just as much as the astonished onlookers. These uneducated fishermen were suddenly speaking in the languages of the Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and from the areas of Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, and Rome. All this commotion attracted quite a crowd. I imagine people filled the house and then spilled out into the street. The people were bewildered, amazed, astonished, perplexed. Four words used to describe their reaction. But there is a fifth word as well. Some people sneered. Some people scoffed and ridiculed and rejected. Then Peter stood up. This same Peter who just weeks earlier had denied Jesus now gave an impromptu sermon explaining the grand plan of God. All of this is the drama of Pentecost, from a roaring wind to tongues of fire to global languages to a sweeping sermon. One commentator said that this story in the book of Acts is, quote, the most exciting and least comprehensible episode in Acts. Let's try, though, to comprehend this story. Come with me a moment into a theological train of thought. Here it is. God is everywhere present and active. There is no corner of the globe, no periphery, no arena of either creation or human activity where God is absent. God is everywhere. God is present and active in your life, your congregation, your city, your state, your country. And God is present and active in every other family and city and country. God is present and active in all creation, in, in microscopic organisms, God is there. In massive rainforests and all the creatures in them, even the creatures that human beings have not yet discovered, God knows them. God is present and active in the oceans, including those weird fish at the bottom of the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean. God is present and active in the sky 
and in the farthest reach of galaxies that are billions of light years away. We read earlier from Psalm 104, and that is its message. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. This is the beginning of my theological train of thought. It is a simple, although very big, theological claim. But the implications are even bigger. They are implications that are woven through this Pentecost story. So let's lift up just two implications, two further steps in that theological train of thought. First, if God is everywhere active and present, then the Holy Spirit is everywhere active and present because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Cinderella of the Trinity because the church has often focused on God the Father and God the Son and left behind God the Holy Spirit. But the Nicene Creed, one of our creeds, says that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. This means that the Holy Spirit is busy. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life? Then the Holy Spirit makes possible your next breath. And the Holy Spirit makes possible that bud that's ready to burst into flower. And the Holy Spirit makes possible the rising and the setting of the sun and the orbiting of the planets. I invite you to take that claim that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life and sink it down deep into your imagination. That's what Peter did. He reminded his audience that in the last day, God will pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh, on everyone, on people usually denied a voice, on sons and daughters, on men and women, and those enslaved and rejected, on the heavens above and the earth beneath. Peter stated boldly, drawing from the prophet Joel, that the Spirit is everywhere present and active. No boundaries, no limits, no exclusions. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. That is an implication of our original statement that God is everywhere present and active. 
You know, John Calvin once said that without the Holy Spirit busy at work, all reality would simply cease to exist. He knew the Nicene Creed. He took seriously that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. So he imagined that if the Holy Spirit got distracted for a moment, poof, everything would cease to exist. The Holy Spirit is critical to existence. Now, I don't know how you receive a thought like that. We tend to be skeptics in our culture that is so technology-soaked and driven. But I like and admire how seriously John Calvin takes the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit poured out on Pentecost? The Lord and giver of life. A second implication of our basic theological statement that God is everywhere active is that people play a role. God does not coerce. God does not pre-program. God does not pull puppet strings. People play a role. This grand Pentecost story shows ordinary humans responding. Sometimes I wish I could have been there to see those tongues of fire and to respond to the roar of the Holy Spirit. I sure hope I would have been in the group that was amazed and astonished. I sure hope I would not have been in the group that sneered and rejected. That crowd had a mixed reaction. Notice how that works in this story. God poured out the Holy Spirit on everyone. Each and every person who had gathered in that room had a flame of fire. God lavishly poured out the gift that Jesus had promised. And then the people who gathered around reacted. Some of those people from the surrounding countries responded with amazement, some with puzzlement, some with rejection and derision. And there is another group. It is the group that walked right on by, did not notice the tongues of fire, did not draw near to hear Peter's sermon. We like to put ourselves in the group that responded with awe and wonder, don't we? Of course, we are part of that group. We are the, not the perplexed. We are not the scoffers. We are not the ones that didn't even notice. We are part of the group that received and responded and believed. Yes, we are. Thanks be to God. Although, I don't know about you, but I wander into other groups on some days and in some seasons 
I show up in the perplexed and confused group. I sometimes can be spotted in the scoffers group, I'm sorry to say, and perhaps often I'm in the group that doesn't even notice. How many actions and efforts and initiatives and projects of the Holy Spirit have I missed altogether? There are maybe flames of fire sitting on people all over the world. Flames of fire that signal the presence and the action of the Holy Spirit. How many flames of fire have I missed? This story of Pentecost in Acts 2 identifies those flames of fire. But how many have we missed? Do you remember that story in Exodus about Moses and the burning bush? One of my colleagues at Columbia Seminary once wondered if Moses had walked by burning bushes every day while he tended to his sheep. How many burning bushes did Moses not even notice? How many tongues of fire do we miss? Places of God's revelation where we are too distracted, too anxious, too busy to notice. So people play a role. That's the second implication that emerges from the Pentecost story. Do we respond with amazement and joy or derision and rejection or maybe apathy and blindness? Or do you find yourself now and then on the roster of each of those groups? Friends, the Holy Spirit is bold, as we have seen. The Holy Spirit is also patient and persistent. If you are a believer who prays, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief, that is evidence of the Holy Spirit not giving up on you, never giving up on you. Look for burning bushes. Look for flames of fire. It is said that every preacher really has just one sermon. A congregation listens to multiple versions of just one sermon. I think that might be true in my own case, and I will tell you what my sermon is, the one that keeps haunting me and filling me with wild hope. It is this, God is big, much bigger than we can ever imagine. And God is inventive and determined, creative and persistent. And God has big plans. And God has invited us to join in. That is what is woven 
through the story of Pentecost. This is the good news. Friends, believe this gospel and live in its peace. Amen.